All right. Well, welcome in. Uh, I'm Mark. This is, I have here with me two of our staff members. I'm going to let them introduce themselves in a second, but we are intending to add some extra podcasts to our uh, sermon series here for good. And so we're calling this pod, we're trying out the name, the Always in Pursuit podcast. Yeah. yeah. Is that what we're going to do? Yeah, I think so. Because uh, you told me that I need to brand this. <laughs> it's just better than supplemental yes. podcast. <laughs> Even though that's what we're doing. We're yeah. supplementing the sermons that's here. Right. Um, so I'm going to have you guys introduce yourselves and say hi so people can know who's here with me. Morning, guys. This is Megan Lindquist, Director of Ministry at Pursuit. And I am Aaron Lynch. I'm the Connections Pastor here. And uh, I will not say PCC. I'll say Pursuit Community Church. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, and I'm Mark Allen. I'm the, I don't know, the pastor at Pursuit and one of the pastors at Pursuit. And uh, yeah, so I think I'm a terrible host and I probably botched that intro and you probably already turned off the podcast. So that's great. But I want to tell you kind of what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks. We're going to record a few of these. And there's a lot of things that I wanted to get into the sermons that I didn't get to. I just wasn't able to get it in there. And, you know, I think this weekend was a 52 minute sermon which is never my goal I'm trying to be in the 30s 30 30 to 32 35 um uh so but this one was a tough one and it was one that i really felt just a real burden to to deliver and still left a lot on the table mm-hmm. so today i wanted to kind of talk more about a little bit more about my story in coming to plant a church i want to talk a little bit about the sort of the uh, problems with an attractional church model or the possible problems with an attractional church model. You may have never heard language like that. You might just be going to church thinking like all churches are basically the same. Yeah. What's the big deal? And you might also be thinking all churches believe mostly the same stuff. And um, I think most people, the way they delineate churches is like uh, based on theology. And sometimes there's similar theology to churches that are completely different. And uh, I think we're one of those churches, and, and so I wanted to explain kind of some of the thought process behind that, and a little bit about how we got to where we are, and a little bit about uh, kind of how we think, because there's a lot of thought given into strategy, kind of how we're doing things and what we're trying to do, which I think is a little different than a lot of churches out there. So um, I kind of want to start with hitting on that story I told on Sunday. So if you weren't there if you haven't listened to the sermon from this last week and you're part of our church, I want you to go back and listen to it because do it. <clears throat> it was a kind of a big deal. It was kind of a I, I'm looking at it like it was a moment, a line in the sand. Uh, we're going to change. This is what where we're going. Yeah, kind of moment. And yes, I blubbered like an idiot. That's and, right. <laughs> it was like overwhelmed at the end. I it was interesting for me because I had stepped out of the event center for a minute. And I walked by the door and I could hear Mark crying. And I thought, oh, Mark's crying. What happened? <laughs> yes. Uh, nothing happened except I was overwhelmed by the spirit. So okay, it was a good thing. It's good. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, but I mean, it was real. That was, that was where we're at. And, you know, a lot of that was coming out of the malaise of COVID. A lot of that was like seeing people that I knew were just on mission and on fire coming back and I don't know, sort of settling into consumeristic Christianity, which I'll, we'll probably give some definition to over the next couple of weeks. It's something I think is like the biggest danger of, mm. if you're a disciple, consumeristic Christianity is like the shadow side of being a Christian. It's essentially where you stop growing and you start thinking of the church as something to serve you as opposed to a place that it's not even a place, as opposed to the fact that you are a part of the church and that you have a role in the church. You start sitting back and letting the church come to you instead of you actually taking an active role in the church. And I've just seen a lot of people fall into that. And Mm -hmm. it's under the guise of like, you know, safety and whatever. Like I want to be really clear, like we're not making COVID decisions for families. We support you, whatever your choice is. We have some families staying home, some families coming back, like, I'm not in any way pushing anyone, but there's still a consumeristic thing that started to happen where people are like, the church is here to serve me. And, you know, they kind of are getting lazy. And, you know, that was really starting to eat away mm-hmm. in my own personal, you know, pastor heart. So that was part of the conversation. But also the conversation of like, we just, 
every so many years, and maybe in this case it's every three years, like I have to go back and hit it hard about what we're doing here and remind us who we are. So that's what I'm hoping to do through this series. And, you know, it was a kind of like come to Jesus moment for us. Um, I don't know how you guys feel coming out of COVID, like where you think things are at or what you're seeing in people, but it's kind of worn away at me a little bit. Yeah, I would say I think uh, a consumeristic Christian, a consumer church, I feel like a lot of those things have kind of been in place since I've been in church. You know, I'm 40 and I grew up in a church and so I've been experiencing a lot of these things in different forms for the last 40 years and never really understood what that was or that it, maybe it's a bad thing or at least not a good thing. <laughs> and, um, you know, in some of our conversations that we've had around this table and on Sundays, we've talked about some of the, the issues with church, like the big C church, not pursuit or a specific de- denomination, but like the American church, we've talked about some of the issues that we've all bumped into over the years. We've never really been able to define that uh, or put like words to it and nail down like, Oh, it's this thing. This is the issue. So I think for some people, COVID is, is like the crucible moment that has kind of forced all of us into this frame of mind or at least vantage point to look on church differently and realize, yes, these things that we've all been sensing, like we've had gut feelings about for years, have really become accentuated and risen to the top. And now we can't run away from it anymore. It's an issue that we have to wrestle with and deal with. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it was hard to to feel that the pursuit that went into COVID is not the pursuit that came out of COVID. We were energetic and excited a year and a half old going into COVID, and I feel like we just lost some of that momentum. So I, I love that we're taking this chance to refocus, realign the vision, and get excited again Yeah, and move forward. Yeah, and I feel like uh, we, we found out what will happen if everyone watches church on TV. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to hear this theme throughout the <laughs> the next couple of weeks. It's just, it couldn't be any clearer to me. And I want you to know too, um, I'm not a, boy, I don't know how this sounds when your pastor isn't this, but I'm not really a theologian. <laughs> you know, okay. So like, I want to protect theology and make sure that like we, mm-hmm. you know, are in the orthodoxy of like what it means to be a follower of Jesus and to respect the word of God because Jesus respected the word of God to Use the word of God to live because that's what he did. You know, <clears throat> I mean, his example is really what I strive for, but I'm not really a theologian. I really don't care very much about um, making sure that everybody's right, making sure that everybody's in the right spot. I mean, I feel like the messiness of people's theology, I'm fine with. I feel like there's very specific things we have to be, like, <coughs> excuse me, you have to be very specific about, like we this week, you know, talking about the personal decision to follow Jesus is like a really, like a worth drawing a line in the sand over because it is, I hate my lungs and, uh, I I feel like it's an in or out moment. It is a, I'm with Jesus or I'm not with Jesus moment. And I feel like a lot of people, they just, they come into a church, they just absorb into it. They never have in a moment where they like say, I'm going to follow Jesus. And they just start. Yeah the regeneration process of becoming a Christian, but it's under their own power. Yeah. And I think that's like a Minnesota issue. Um, like specifically people on the East coast are like, no, I don't want any of that. <laughs> then they meet Jesus and they're like, wow, I want it all. There's like a drastic change that happens in the life of like a, you know, like somebody from Connecticut who's a jerk. Somebody from Minnesota just kind of comes in they just start doing good stuff and they just feel like, oh, I'm just going to float here with Jesus. Yeah. Great. And they miss that moment of personal decision you know yeah i think what you're saying essentially is that (coughs) theology is not the thing that makes you a christian right um the reason there's some theological you know camps and and issues and questions are up for debate is because it's not super clear like scripture doesn't spell it out for us 100 percent one way or the other and so you know, we have to sit back and be like, well, that's how God wanted it. Or otherwise he would have told us 100% definitively one way or the other. So I think that sometimes like a, one of the traps that we fall into, whether just as a Christian or working in, in a church or for a church, we think like, well, we have to, we have to nail down theology 100%. 
we have to declare who we are like that becomes the thing and it's like that's not that's not it so we'll get to that too yeah at some point yeah. talking about specific types of churches <laughs> um so not to say that i have no respect for theology it's very important but i'm not a theologian i really don't read a ton of books or like i'm really insane like and theology's never been a problem for me like i've always there's a lot of people that struggle with specific questions way more than i have personally i just mm-hmm. it's like i read it it's true i believe it i'm moving on to the next thing it's easy yeah. for me personally when i was in seminary we had a term for the people that you are saying that you're not and we called them beard strokers <laughs> <laughs> They were people that were super ap- academic. I immediately started stroking. Yeah, beard. I know. And he has a beard. He is literally stroking <laughs> it right now. <laughs> uh, but these are the people that they think like they got all the answers, <coughs> and they think that they're smarter than you. And you know, don't even try and talk to me about scripture or interpretation or Greek or Hebrew or whatever because I'm stroking my fake beard right now. I'm smarter than you. Yeah, you know so. I'm d- Mark is not. That. I have the beard for it. <laughs> yeah. I just don't. But so I, you know, your pastor. You may have grown up with a pastor who was a theologian. Very important to them that everybody believes the right thing. And I put right in quote quotations. Um, but I'd say me personally, I'm a uh, sort of a sociologist or a, you know, I look at the bigger picture and the trends that I see, and I match up. You know, whenever Pew puts out another report on the state of American Christianity, I dive into that thing and pull every bit of it out. Mm. Like, I want to understand where people are at, where they're going, how we got there, and what needs to change. And I think a lot of what I'm going to be talking about through this sermon series is that these are the the overarching um, things that I've seen that we need to either lean into or fight <clears throat> strongly. And almost none of them are making sure people believe the right thing. <laughs> They're almost all about um, us not settling for a form of Christianity that puts us into a consumeristic mindset. Absolutely. And so, you know, you may, you may desire more theology. And, you know, I think there probably will be a time where as a church we'll have some basics in theology classes that we'll do. Cause I do think there are a lot of people that as they become Christians, they have to like shed everything they've learned mm-hmm. and they've got to regenerate their thoughts, their mind, how they take in the world. I'm not going to get ton into that. I'm actually more interested in the trends that I see sure. in church world. And maybe one important distinction to make, whether it's in this forum or in the next messages, as we go forward, as you go forward is, to really emphasize that like these things that we're talking about, we're calling them issues, but in and of themselves, they're not bad things or evil things or, you know, there are aspects of church that are rightly consumeristic. We want people to consume them, you know, so that's not, if you want to be a consumer, (laughs) consume the word. That's right. (laughs) Consume some prayer, uh, consume the Holy spirit. Um, consume some time in prayer. That's right. That might be better than so it, it's important to like not villainize a certain topic or a certain thing that we might call an issue or highlight or spend time talking about. It's important to realize that like so many things in this world, in of itself, it's not bad, but it can definitely be abused. Right. And mm-hmm. that's really what we're talking about. Yeah. Yes. So I'm about to share a story. That's good that we put that uh, disclaimer out there before I sure. talk about it. Um, and again... I'm not trying to villainize, but I really need to explain where my thought process was when we began pursuit. So I've been in ministry for 20 years. I think Aaron, you have a similar amount of time in ministry. Megan. Yeah. Like in all kinds of capacities, all of us, we've probably all been interns, youth pastors, missions, leaders, or overseas in missions, Megan, in your Mm -hmm. case, like we all, believe in the church. We all want to give ourselves to the church. We all believe this is God's way of changing the world. So, and we've given 20 years of our lives to this. So like, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm okay to say some of the things I'm going to say and be an expert in this. I've been in church plants. I've been in established churches, large churches, small churches, and I've seen different parts of the country, how Christianity works on the East coast and here. 
And, you know, I shared that story about being in a meeting with a consultant and having the conversation with them where they, you know, literally in the meeting told us we have to put these cameras in so we can get the, the, the speaker's face on screen. And what will happen, what we really want to happen is that people will start to learn how to watch the screen, even when they're in the room. And, um, you know, in that moment, I was a youth pastor at a pretty big church that was trying to go to the next level. It's a really funny way to put it. And we brought these consultants in and I was really excited, really excited. Cause I thought, okay, I feel like we're in a place where our leaders don't really know where to go. We like, we're good at doing ministry. We're good at doing the programs we have, but like, where was the next stage going to come from? And I don't think any of us had it. So it was a good time for us to bring in a consultant. I was really excited about it. We brought in a consultant. I don't want to say their name. <laughs> I don't want to say what church it was. <laughs> I think a lot of people know me well enough to know probably a little bit more about that than I want them to. And I went into those meetings excited to hear, you know, what was going to be the next stage of growth for this church and how are we going to accomplish this? And in a two days of seminars, what we essentially did was we reframed everything that we were doing to fit under the phrase that Sunday is game day. Okay. And you're going to see how insidious this is, like how dangerous it can be. Um, it's not really on the surface, but once you start applying these ideas, you'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. So we said Sunday's game day. That was like one of the big things. And we said, we want to double our impact. And what church staff person, what person going to any church wouldn't be like, let's double our impact. That's amazing. We want to double our impact. Yeah. I'm sure you guys were like all high fiving in that moment and like, yeah, yeah hands in the middle, chest bumping. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Be like team Jesus. Let's go. Right. <laughs> like, Sunday. Yeah. Like here we running, go. Running through walls. And, yeah. yeah. Like I'm Ray Lewis getting the Baltimore <laughs> defense going. For those of you, he's like the ultimate hype man. I don't no, care what anybody totally, says. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, forget the murders and stuff or whatever, but, um, it's, it's a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> My goal here that's going to keep happening is to make Mark laugh and cough at the same time. So I have tea as well. All right, so so we got we get into these into these like meetings and we reframe everything to Sunday is game day and we want to double our impact and we define what double our impact is. Sorry, am I making noises? We do, we define what double our impact is and. I wish I had a camera because I can't talk without my hands and people are probably <laughs> laughing. Like you guys are watching me make all kinds of, all right. We define double our impact. We define it as double our attendance and double our offerings as double our impact. And at the time I was like, let's go. Yes. I was like, we're at a thousand people. <laughs> 2000 sounds amazing. I'm thinking about the youth ministry. The amount of resources that are going to be there, the amount of kids that are going to be a part of that, it's going to be incredible. I'm a hardcore eye on the on the disc personality profile. I like big parties. I like big gatherings. I'm all about it, you know. And it seemed like this is a great plan. And so the first thing they said was, "Okay, here's what we need to do. We got to we're going to stretch out to another campus, and we're going to train people in your church to watch the screens." And it should have been like alarm bells going off in my head that this mm. was not going to go in the right direction, but it wasn't. I was like, yeah, I'm thinking I preach like eight, 10 times a year here. It's going to be great. Put me up on the screen. I mean, I, I mean, I feel bad for them having to look at me that close, you know, like nobody really wants to be, you know, all up in my face, yeah. you know, they weren't, there weren't 4k cameras back then. So. Yeah. No, no, they, they were definitely 4K. Well, they were. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I have a, I have a good far away face, face, not a, not a good up close face. <laughs> so, um, so in my mind, it's like, yeah, this is great. It's going to be amazing. And, you know, it was honestly the beginning of the end of an era of a cycle of ministry at that church. Cause what we did by accident was we began to overly focus on the wrong things mm. and it killed the soul of the church Yep. pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, and by the way, we were successful church grew immediately. Mm -hmm. We threw in the cameras, we started on the campus mm -hmm. and church went from, you know, 800, 900, 1200, 1300, like bam, overnight. And we stumbled into what I'll call the attractional church model which essentially says Sunday is the thing. 
and our goal is to get people in here on a Sunday and jam as many people in here as we can. And just think of the, here's the logic that goes behind it. And I think it can start in a, in a good place, but you can see how quickly it gets off track. So like, um, we would say, okay, Sunday is game day. Nothing can go against the services on Sunday because ultimately we count every head that's in there and we need to make sure there's as many people in those services as possible. So even as a youth pastor trying to schedule something, a meeting, a training, I'd have like, we have multiple services. So I'd be like, great, during second service, let's have youth leaders come down and we'll train them. They're like, nope, nothing can go against the service. There cannot be any, and they go, you know, the GM doesn't have a, another meeting on, on Sunday, you know, when the football game's going on. Are you varsity or are you JV? <laughs> I don't what feel are you like trying I'm, to do? I don't yeah. feel like I'm varsity at all. <laughs> um, he'll probably pick up on that too. As you listen to it, that I really don't know sometimes or think I know what I'm doing. Um, so there's just like this idea that like, <clears throat> it's all about Sunday. It's all about Sunday. It's all about Sunday. And the goal is to get people in that church service so that we can grow the reach of this church, the finances of this church, the, you know, and the amount of people. And what that did was in a weird way, it, it started to feed the egos of people who were in charge in the church and were unhealthy. You ask the question, how do you get to a place where your church is being led by <clears throat> narcissists or egomaniacs? All you have to do is make the main goal, making it bigger. Mm-hmm. And they love yeah. it. They love it. They thrive. And um, people pick up on it and they start celebrating it. And it becomes the, <coughs> sorry, the main thing for the church to continue to grow, continue to grow, continue to grow bigger, 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 bigger. And it can start in a place where you, you go, well, you know, every person has a story and every story is important. And all these numbers are actually people. And, you know, you start from a place thinking this is the best way to do ministry, but you end in a place where you've created a machine that basically turns people's attention into something that you can profit off of. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the situation I was coming out of when I decided to plant a church. Mm-hmm. Now, you guys have heard Mark use a couple words like, uh, killed the soul of the church. <laughs> killed the soul. If you take that story at face value without some of those adjectives, you might say, like, what's wrong with that? You know, what's wrong with the church mm-hmm. growing? We are evangelicals, right? We're supposed to evangelize. We're supposed to <laughs> get more people in. I mean, even if you think about, like, the word gospel, it's good news. And that's something that we want to share as Christians, right? So the practicality of sharing the good news means that more people will come into that covenant, will come into that faith community, will follow Jesus. So if if you're just viewing it from that perspective, you think like, that's not bad. That is a good thing. You're not wrong. It's not a bad thing. More people in the house is not a bad thing. The bad thing is, to to, to use Mark's words, do you lose your soul in the process? Uh, seriously. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. yeah. And it it really, honestly, like the difference in thinking between a healthy thing growing, right? Because if, if your church is healthy, you should have some growth. Yeah. Almost, almost no healthy thing in the world doesn't grow. Mm-hmm. But when it becomes the main focus, that's when you start to lose what we're actually supposed to be doing here. And yeah. <clears throat> people become a means to an end. Mm-hmm. And staff members <clears throat> burn themselves out. And they become a means to an end and people start to feel like I'm a number or I'm a pawn or I'm a, I'm a checkbook instead of understanding that like they're part of the mission. Also, you know, I don't, again, I don't want to kill huge churches, but I don't know how a huge church connects everyone in community and gives everybody a significant place to be part of the mission. Like, I just don't see how it's possible. You start, that's when you start to lose your soul because mm-hmm. one of the things that we really focused on when we created pursuit and we dreamed about it and we prayed through it and God gave us this vision for it was that every person would be connected in community. Every person would have their hands in the mission, you know? Mm-hmm. And you're like, how, how are you going to do that? Mm-hmm. You know? And we, we can pull it off. We had 98 people volunteering at our 
our mm-hmm. resource fair over the weekend. That was like that was like ninety percent of our church. Like it's amazing. I mean, there were people out of town who were like destroyed that they couldn't be there. Yeah. Like they were like, Oh, I can't believe it's on that weekend. I got yeah. this thing, I gotta go. So you know, like my daughter's getting married. I can't I, I, can I leave? Can I not go to my daughter's wedding? <laughs> I hope your daughter's not getting married. No, she's five. So. Um, so, and I wanted to... <coughs> sorry. <coughs> I hate my life. Edit, um, those, edit those coughs out. <laughs> I wanted to, to talk a little bit about that philosophy of being a tractional church and the difference between what we did over the weekend yeah. and what you'll see around us and again i'm not killing what everybody else does mm-hmm. I, I know there's a lot of worn out pastors that like they're just doing their best and they don't have a lot of people to help them and they're like i have a formula if i have a grill and some bounce houses mm-hmm. and a po- i saw one church a pony ride a petting zoo uh a touch a truck like all these trucks that you could come and like climb on if you're a little kid yeah. um and i was like good for you guys like I, I get it. It's a way to reach out to the community. You're providing something that will probably draw people in. I'm not trying to kill that, but I'm trying to explain why we do our kickoff the way we do mm-hmm. it because it's philosophical. Yep. And I don't think people always get that. I actually had a pastor tell me, you're a fool for doing your huge resource fair on Saturday because you don't draw anyone from that into your Sunday services. We're not a fool. You're not a fool because that's not what we're trying to and do. And I said, it's philosophical. <laughs> he's like, you spent how much money on that? And I'm like, it's a ton. We yeah. paid for all the marketing for it. We paid for all the food that we fed people. We covered all the rental costs. We had we rent, mm-hmm. rented tents. We got bouncy houses all figured out, which luckily we didn't have to rent this year. But we paid for all the costs. We probably invested $10,000 into that event. And we made a decision when we started the church three years ago, that our fall launches were not going to be food trucks in a field, as we Mm -hmm. often say at our staff meeting table. Mm -hmm. Um, But that our goal was going to be for every one of our people to serve on our kickoff weekend. Like our goal was going to be to have a hundred percent of our people volunteering. And our goal in that event was not to uh, necessarily get more people into our Sunday morning service because we don't believe Sunday is game day. Mm-hmm. Sunday is amazing. It's great to be together, but it's not the only thing that happens at this church. Sunday is game day, sure, but so is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday when our small groups are meeting. So is, yep. you know, Saturdays when we're doing events with people. So are every day that we're in the office and connecting with other people. Like game day is all the time. There is no specific time frame that's more important than another in the life of a church. Mm-hmm. And like wholeheartedly reject that idea. Mm-hmm. And so for us, that event that we did, the resource fair, was more about uh, creating um, a partnership with our local partners and helping those resource partners, those extended partners, which we had 28, is that right, 25? 26, I think. Okay. This is what, Megan's the one that does the uh, precision. (laughs) The numbers. (laughs) I know the details. Yeah, I do the... High level. Mark's got all the vision. I'm probably going to be like, we had 45 people there. Megan's like, oh, I was 26. <laughs> so, um, but Mark, Mark talks and Megan like is the gives him the elbow. You're right. She's, <laughs> she like live corrects me. You know those like debates they have like during like and there's somebody like live correcting on like CNN or something. This is what Megan does. Double worst product. Like, oh, that's not true. <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah, so like the idea like we're serving those resource partners and we're serving Ralph Reader and we're serving community center. Um, I got an email from Ralph Reader this week who said they were just so thrilled with how everything went. And they said, you know, when we met you guys, and when they say you guys, they mean me and Jill Grazley. Mm-hmm. We went in there and met with them when we started the church. And we said to them, hey, what do you? What does this area need? I think I've told the story a bunch, but, like, they were like, hey, a resource fair. And in that meeting, which I don't know if I've always talked about this part, but uh, I said, what is the, what is the – I've, I'm a big idea guy. Give me something that I, we could create that doesn't exist here. What needs to be here? And she looked at me with this look that I can only describe as like she was already disappointed 
skeptical, <laughs> right, annoyed. Like, yeah. yeah. Exhausted of that question. Yes. And I stopped the conversation and I looked at her. Her name's Lisa. She runs Ralph Reader. And I said, Lisa, I'm going to go on a limb here and say that you've had a bunch of churches sit in this room and ask you that question and none of them fall through anything. And she like looked at me like, well, I guess this guy says what everyone's thinking. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> so like, and, um, I was like, okay, well, what do we need to do to, you know, prove to you that we're not like that? Mm-hmm. And so it was a bunch of small events that we did. And then finally she was like, Hey, this is an event that needs to be here. And I think as she got to know Jill, who, if you don't know, Jill is like a ninja. Like, how would you describe what she's amazing at? It's like, I, she's incredible. Um, events and details and coordination of all the chaos. Yeah. Ninja's the right word. Yeah. I'm, I'm great at flexing and rolling with whatever's mm -hmm. happening and making it great no matter what, as I think all youth pastors need to be. Um, but the amount of sheer organization it takes communication, it takes to work with vendors and partners and volunteers. And I mean, we counted up this morning. She put about 80 hours of work into the resource fair in four months. Yeah. Um, she's a beast. Um, so Ralph Reader finally gave us this idea. So I got an email from this week and they said, Hey, when we met you guys three years ago, we had no idea how effective this partnership could be. And we are thrilled. Hmm. And if you said, well, what's your goal for this weekend? Well, our goal is to kick off getting all of our people to serve. Our goal is to like thrill our local partners. Mm -hmm. Our goal is to connect people in the community to those resources that are available to them. Our goal is to bring it to them. Yeah. And it, I think our, you know, our profile in the community also rises. Like I spoke with the mayor and two other council members and um, it was funny because last week they voted on um, giving us a piece of the community center. We were going to take over a room and kind of have that 24-7 to be able to set up to use for however we wanted. And they voted it down. And then at the community fair, I was like, hey, what happened? What happened with that vote? Like, I, I, I used <laughs> the opportunity to have the conversation because um, that's what I do. I poke. Um, and they were all like, yeah. You could see in their eyes, like, we didn't realize – who you were mm -hmm. almost like maybe we'd rethink it again. If yeah. We had the conversation again. So like our, yes, our profile went up in the community. Do I think some people visited our church because they know of who we are? Sure. We did a VBS over the summer where mm -hmm. we reached out to a whole bunch of people. We were mailing on behalf of the resource fair to the whole community. And then also we were inviting people through the mail and through online and through you know, people's invites to our launch. So yeah, our profile went up in the community. We put up a big billboard so people would know who we were. But our goal on the kickoff weekend, it was not to just for the amount of numbers in service. Mm -hmm. It was like to serve our bigger purpose, which is to make a difference in this community, like to be a church that would be missed if we didn't exist. Yep. Yeah. They're becoming attracted to our heart and our mission instead of just what events we put on. Yeah, and I mean, I sit here and I struggle a little bit because I think like, you know, we're just talking about pursuit, about ourselves. So it right. sounds like we're tooting our own horn pretty good here. <laughs> I can say like, there's a lot of things that we don't do uh, great. Like, you know, we're not a perfect church. That's one of our values, actually. We're an imperfect church for imperfect people. And we celebrate that. We really do. Because if you think you're perfect, you're not. And if you're telling people you're perfect, that's dangerous. Anyway, I one of the things that I love about the resource fair, about our values as a church, about how we live those things out, how we're not attractional just to be consumeristic, right. is that, you know, like Mark said at the beginning of this, you know, I've been in ministry for 20 years. I've worked and been a part of, I'm not going to say the number of churches because it's <laughs> embarrassing, but a lot. <laughs> and this is the first church I've ever been a part of that has done that. And I love it. I absolutely love it because it, it's like I have learned almost by accident over the years what it means to be a Christian and what a, what a church should be. You know, like we said, we bump, we bump into these issues and we just, it's like gut feelings. We're like, ah, this doesn't feel right. It feels like the church should be different. 
you do something like resource fair where there's between 800 and a thousand people that come through and they get resources they need to like not only survive, but to thrive in this world. Mm -hmm. And we're not doing it because we're steering them towards church on a Sunday. I mean, it's awesome. It's really (coughs) great. We're doing what Jesus did and that feels really good. And so I think for me personally, not because I'm on staff for me personally, I love it because it gets to the heart of what being a Christ follower is. It gets to the heart and the mission of what Jesus did, what scripture mm-hmm. tells us Jesus did. And that's, that's a fun thing. It feels really good. It doesn't feel good. If like, it feels kind of greasy. If you're like, Hey, we're doing this resource fair. Here's a flyer about church and our kids ministry. You better come check us out tomorrow. Like that's what doesn't feel good is like, we're not doing it just to grow, you know? And I'm, I'm sure there's people that, saw our booth and talked to some of our people and thought, Oh, I want to check those guys out. And that's great. But that's organic. It's not like we're not doing it because we want to grow by 3% this next year or, you know, start a new program or, you know, whatever. That's not the thing. The thing is helping people and doing it the way Jesus did it. And I love that. And so, yeah. And it's not like I don't want every person to come and be part of our church. I'm just not, that Sunday morning number mm-hmm. it's not the thing I mean we measure it I think you'd be foolish not to yeah. it's a metric you should measure yeah but it shouldn't be your main it's not the thing the main yeah. thing yeah yeah and if we focus on being a healthy church and focus on being a missional church and a community minded church then those numbers take care of themselves Mm-hmm. There hasn't been one day, Megan, you can attest, you've been here from the very first moment where we sweated every month what was going to happen financially for the... Not one. Not one day where we didn't have everything we needed as a mm-hmm. church. Like, if I have goals about our attendance and our finances, those are driven by things that you you probably wouldn't even think about coming to church. Like, I would love for us to have... 250 people in our church because then I can do two services and then people in our children's ministry don't need to miss Mm -hmm. church. Like I'm driven by making a healthier place. Not that I need 250 people to come to stroke the ego Mm -hmm. or to say that we're being successful because we're getting, and I'm putting successful in quotations. I keep forgetting this isn't a visual (laughs) medium. Um, Like that number needs to be measured. It's a, it's a sign of health. It's a part of what you look at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when it becomes the thing, you are willing, in a really unhealthy version of that, you are willing to use people, you are willing mm-hmm. to put aside all other pursuits that the church has, you are willing to say, I don't care if people have community, I don't care if they're being discipled, mm-hmm. I don't care if they're being yeah. missional, you're putting them into a machine that says, Invite another person, invite another person. Let's get bigger. This has to get bigger. We keep growing. We keep putting money in the bank. Yeah. We build more buildings. We we build our own kingdom. Yeah. This is essentially what happened to the church that I was walking away from. It's, ha- it's happening in a lot of churches. Because even if you're not one of those churches, you can't help but look at that mega church down the street and think like, wow, look at their building. Look at how yeah. many people are going there. I want to be like that. Yeah. You know? And in order to grow, like you were saying, you almost have to just not care about some of those other essential functions of the church, like meeting needs Mm -hmm. and caring about the gospel and people actually like being discipled, you know? Right. And in the thing that is like, it's insidious on both ends. It's like you're sacrificing these really important things of what it means to be a church. And then on the other end, you're like, well, look at how great we are. Look at how big we are. Mm-hmm. We're really good at this. God must really love us because he's blessing us so much. I have worked at churches. This is really hard for me because I want to tell all these stories about all these different <laughs> churches. I want to name names, but Today's I know. Today's podcast will be nine hours long. <laughs> I know. Please don't. Yeah, yeah. But I've, I, have, I have worked at churches. I have sat in meetings with church leadership where the words have been said, God loves us because of, the, of this number. God is blessing us. Look at how good we are, you know? And you hear that and, you know, you can't help but, like, you're riding this wave of momentum and growth and it feels good. It strokes your ego. Can I I give that words? I think a lot of churches will say, this is good and right because of the fruit. Exactly. Look at the fruit. Yes. Yeah. And they'll say, well, look, 
something must be going on here because yeah, look at the growth we've seen. Yeah. And <clears throat> I just want you to know that's not the whole picture. No, not and at all. And that fruit could be very rotten. Yeah. It can all honestly be used, and I think it has been in a lot of churches, to abuse people because they think at all costs mm-hmm. we need more fruit. And sometimes that fruit isn't even worth whatever mm-hmm. that whatever that cost was. Yeah. I've seen so many uh, coworkers, people in ministry and other positions be used and burned out, volunteers be used and burned out, and we just <clears throat> cycle through people and we burn them out and then they fall out the back of the church and no one cares because they're replaced tomorrow by another person who's going to be burned out and used so that we can continue to point at the rotten fruit yep. and say this is okay. Yeah. And it's not okay. It's not. If you if anyone here knows me, <laughs> I my heart breaks weekly, sometimes even daily, for my brothers and sisters in ministry who work at these churches today who are great people, super talented, like instruments ready and primed to be used by the Spirit for the good of the kingdom. <coughs> and they're sitting stuck at these churches working, and the marrow is being sucked out of their bones yeah. like, spiritually every day. And it kills me. You yeah. know, it kills me. And, you know, to take that one step further, it kills me that there are tens of thousands of people just in the Twin Cities that are attending these churches and they think it's awesome. They tweet about it. They post pictures about it on Instagram. They're super excited about it. They put the sticker on the back of their car. And they think that they're a part of something amazing because that's what they're being told. Right. And really, they're settling for a really washed, like, watered-down version of what the church is. Like, mm. you know, if, if God were to tell us, hey, there's ten things I want my, my, the body of Christ to be and do. These churches are like, all right, we're going to take, we're going to champion two of those things, two of the 10, and we're going to be excellent at that. And we're just going to conveniently forget about the rest. That's not it. That's not the thing. Like, that's really sad. And, you know, we know, we've talked about this many times, sometimes casually, sometimes like in staff meetings. It's really, it is depressing. It really kills you. You know, I think for me coming out of COVID, that's one of the big highlights for me is I'm really depressed for the state of the big C church right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Like whether it's the staff, people, the attenders, the whole thing, like there's a lot of, there's a, oh, maybe reckoning is too strong of a word, but it, it feels like it, the thing is it's not working, you know? So yeah, by contrast to be a part of a church that puts their money where their mouth is and doesn't care about Sunday attendance. And we'll Stop saying that. Drive. I do care. I know. Just, we care. We want people to come. The, it's not the thing. You know what I mean? It's not the thing. It's all right. There's it's 10, the focus. There's 10 things we really should be looking at to measure. Yeah. And those are signs of health. Yeah. And what mm-hmm. I want is a healthy church. Yeah. That's not abusing people. It's not burning people out. Mm-hmm. That's not, you know, seeing uh, people as a means to an end so that we can put more fruit, you know, Sure. Like it, the, I want a church to actually like, you know, and this is a philosophical thing again, like when I was a youth pastor and I would get like an intern or, um, you know, somebody from one of the colleges to come over and work with me. Um, I had a different philosophy than I think a lot of my counterpart youth pastors, cause I think they would think, Oh, this is great free labor. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> having to clean out the storeroom. Any, anyone who's been an intern. Games. Yes. Anyone who's been an intern, you know, your free labor is like, that's, that's how people look at you. I never looked at people like that. <coughs> mm-hmm. I always went, okay, here's a person that's going to be in ministry. How do I make them the best version of what they can give to the church? And how do I launch them yep. into where they're called to go? Like a person is a resource that is not meant to be used. It's meant to be developed. Mm-hmm. Right? So like the people in our church, they're not meant to be used. They're meant to be developed. They're meant to be given opportunity to continue to grow in their ministry and continue to grow in their impact in people's lives, like to continue to encourage them to move and not okay. stay in the same place. And they're not supposed to be used. That is like one of the major issues that, and specifically I'll talk about millennials cause I have probably the strongest relationships with millennials. And I can literally give you 20 names right now of people who felt like their church just used and abused them in volunteer capacities, in intern capacities, in staff member capacities. Mm-hmm. I feel the same way about you guys. 
don't get me wrong. I never want you to leave our church. I love both of you. <laughs> but if you develop and you get another offer somewhere and you come to me and you're like, God's calling me to go, we're launching you. Yeah. I'm sending you. Not me. When I had interns, I was like, hey, Rook, stand around. I know. Take out the trash. I didn't mean to like, talk to you about it. Yeah. Right. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was not like that at all. Our connection, our connection pastor. Yeah. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, if you want to serve, have a conversation with Aaron about That's it. That's yeah. right. Um, but we have to stop and, and go. And the, people are not tools. No. They're not meant to be used. They're meant to be developed. They're meant to be given yeah. opportunity. Yeah. They're meant to be supported. They're meant to be mentored. They're meant to be discipled. So that they take on more because they're growing, mm-hmm. not because we're trying to squeeze every ounce of what they have to give, and then we just move on to the next person and we throw them away. The big churches are missing it. That's the best part, to help somebody realize <coughs> how God has gifted them and how God has wired them and to use that for the kingdom. Like there's this light that turns on in them when when they figure that out, like when that switch is flipped, and it's just incredible. Let, mm-hmm. Let's say unhealthy, not big. Okay. I do, I do unhealthy think churches. You can be a You're healthy right. church right. and you can You're be right. large. Yeah. Yeah. There are a bunch in our area that I have a lot of respect for and think they're doing great stuff. Yes. I'm not picking on one specific church. So let's just get that straight. I'm I'm really trying to explain to you our philosophy. No, oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. So so to to jump off of that, I think here's where it goes to the sociological thing for me. You know, I see this from a larger perspective and talking to a lot of people who have left the church who are millennials. And, you know, I mentioned, you know, my thoughts about baby boomers and Gen X and millennials on Sunday. And I was probably a rough, a little bit rough there. <laughs> I think the <laughs> poor baby boomers, I just dumped on them. But I think our good. Baby, no, no. I'm kidding. We still just, love you. No. Our, our baby boomers are incredible. Actually, I, I should have said that. I should have stopped and said, let me be honest with you. There's some baby boomers here who, like, are invested heavily yeah, in this place. Yeah. And who are giving themselves away. You're totally right. Yeah. Dying to be in community and dying to mentor people and mm-hmm. dying to give what they have. Like, so we have, we have a group of those people. And, and that's what I would call baby boomers to do is like reject the desire that more is better. Reject mm-hmm. the desire that bigger is healthier. Reject the desire that like this is going to the moon, you know, because maybe it will. Maybe God will grow something healthy, but that's not what we're doing. Reject the urge to memorialize or build, you know, build a really fancy building, a shrine. I know. (laughs) And like, it was a really clear vision. I know I mentioned it on the sermon, but it's a very clear vision that I had. Like, um, I have these visions a lot. I'll probably share three or four of them with you over the next couple of weeks. Don't think I'm a weirdo. I just, I just think in the future. I don't know. It's just how my brain works and God gives me these visions and I don't always know what they're about. This one was pretty clear. I mean, literally, I saw like a post-apocalyptic landscape with these gigantic church buildings completely empty. And, you know, it it also reminded me that that thought process, I was like literally driving like out on the outskirts of the cities and saw three or four of these churches in a row and just how big they were and how, you know, whatever. And I just thought, these are monuments to baby boomers. They, They want bigger, better more is better, more, bigger is better. They're, 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 you know, it's like a Jeff Bezos generation. It's just like, let me sell more, do more, make more. And my success is defined by how much, mm-hmm. how much, how much. Yeah. And I'm measuring myself against other people and I want to know how much they have and I want to see how much I have. And it's like, you know, where does that go? That goes to these monuments on the outskirts of the cities that are empty, you know, because they are a bygone thing. They were, they were shrines to those people. And now the mm-hmm. people are missing from them. So that's my vision. It, it feels like Europe cathedrals mm-hmm. in every town. Yeah. Absolutely gorgeous. People only come there to visit, to see the history or for like the weddings and the funerals. And yeah, there is no active body of yeah. Christ in that place. Yeah. It's an empty shell. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the, the point of what we talked about Sunday is that, Man, if we don't see ourselves as the church, the building is irrelevant. It's an empty shell. Yep. You, it's a place that's a tool. If your ministry is healthy and you're seeing yourself not necessarily as an attractional church, but as a, trying to be a healthy church that like cares for people and loves them, and then your building is just a tool. It's just like everything else. Mm-hmm. You know, you use it to serve the mission, mm-hmm. and that's what it is. 
And the minute we start to say that is the church, which is really hard to undo how we talk about. Yeah. Yep. How we use that word. But it Should is. start using ecclesia and kirka in everyday speech. Yeah, for real. I mean. Yeah. All right, Pursuit fam, let's go. It's like, which church do I mean? Do I mean, <laughs> you know? Um, well, I, it's hard for us, too, to fight some of these things, these urges, because I think, I mean, I'm coming up on a year on staff, and there have been half a dozen times, maybe a dozen times over this last year, where I've had the thought, I maybe have even verbalized this, like, if we had a building or, like, a space, it would make this thing infinitely easier, right? Uh, you know, we've talked about, like, you know, if you even mentioned in this podcast, like if we grew to this number, we could do this thing or we could be able to have the budget to do this or, you know, whatever. And it's like, it's tough because we're fighting it, even this internal battle of like what everyone else is surrendering to <laughs> it seemingly, you yeah. know. So it, it kind of for me, it kind of gets back to the notion of like these things in and of themselves aren't evil. They're not bad. Growth is not a bad thing. A big church is not a bad thing. In, inherently it's right. not uh it's more so is that is it open to abuse is it being misused you know to use your tool analogy like right. am i using this tool yep. the right way is it a healthy respectful way is it honoring god how i'm doing it you know if pursuit were to grow over the next year or two and double in size there's a lot of implications with that you know there's more people so like our programs naturally would have to grow like our kids ministry you mentioned like we'd probably have to go to two services. Like we'd have more growth. I just spilled my tea because yeah. I'm awesome at life. <laughs> Sorry, you were saying. But it, that also highlights how great of a partner Megan is because she. It's like you had a paper towel waiting. How did you have that? I don't what know. In the world I brought is it over with? for you to put your cup on, so it didn't make as much that was noise. Amazing. When did you she picked it up. I I witnessed it. I was in the front row. Mark spilled his tea. I didn't even somehow see Megan had a paper towel in her hand. I didn't see where it came to from. Clean it up before it was even done spilling. This is what ten years <coughs> of working with Mark. That's right. So yeah, I, I have some brilliance in some areas, but other ones I'm just kind of an idiot. So <laughs> I think I wrapped up what I was saying. I've yeah, <laughs> no, it would change. It changes ministry, and yeah. and honestly, like probably the healthiest thing is to grow. Um, over time, mm-hmm. so you keep up with all those pieces. Now, like if God somehow turned us, you know, gave us 500 more people next weekend, <laughs> we would be the biggest hypocrites <laughs> no. in the podcast world. <laughs> no, we would flex and we would find a way and we would say, Jesus sure. brought us 500 people mm-hmm. and this is what we're going to do and this yeah. is the spirit moving. Fine. I'm not against growth Mm -hmm. i've already run the numbers what maxes out the community center what is the next option at that point Mm -hmm. like i already have a 10-year vision plan for Mm -hmm. in my own brain i think in the future that's what i do so it's true it's funny i've been like at different points through this conversation i've been trying to put myself in like the shoes of someone who's listening you you know at one point you said something about like food trucks and traction. I was like, Oh, we had a food truck earlier this summer. Crap. <laughs> like <laughs> we had, we, you know, we had the booths food. food we truck. did dine on one. It's amazing. But if Bobby were here, she'd give you the website for scheduling. Uh, <laughs> just joking. But I, I was like, yeah, we did have a food truck, but I was like, we're not doing it. We're not like advertising it to get more people here. We're like, we love food. I mean, if yeah. you've seen me, <laughs> we love food. We just wanted to celebrate <laughs> with our people. <laughs> It's like our sixth value. <laughs> food. We were talking about that yesterday. What are yeah. our other unspoken values? One of them is definitely that food. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, jokes, laughter. Yeah. You know, we love to be fun. Um, so I just think like, again, <laughs> some of these things we're talking about, it's like we, not that it's a trap, but we we're still in the same, like we're swimming in the same ocean as other churches and we're dealing with these same things and some of these tools are the same tools like we have food we we do attractional mm-hmm. things i mean we had bounce houses at our resource fair for kids to play right. in yeah. and that's going to draw people in like that is in and of itself attractional but it's not like it's not a tool that's being abused it was so. attractional so that we could connect them to ralph reader mm-hmm. and the resource exactly Pe- like people yeah. like yeah yep. we actually talked about this yesterday like ways that we could do better next year and we have 15 ideas that are great mm-hmm. yep. that would draw more people. But we stepped back and said, 
can we draw the right people, mm-hmm. the people who are looking for those resources, the people who are local, you know what I mean, like in those two areas, like in the areas yeah. we're trying yeah. to reach. When we continually ask, what's the purpose? What's the vision? What is on point? Like with any event that we're doing, any ministry we're planning, we always around the staff table and, and within other leadership at the church are always asking that question and not losing the focus of what the point is. Right. And so, I, I want to go back to the sociological hierarchy. I started talking about baby boomers and then we got off making fun of them. I know. Uh, I think, and I, I tried to explain this as best I could, but you know, my sociologist uh, brain sees where this is all going as the baby boomers step out and they move on and they, the generation goes away, you know, eventually. Uh, and as X gen X is a, almost a lost generation. I feel like there's really no leadership that's come out of it that I know of for the church. That wasn't, I said like, they just want the baby boomers approval. Like, and I'm being very general here, but I honestly haven't seen any like significant leadership coming out of gen X really at all. And I'm weird because I'm 41, you're 40. We're both people that we don't really fit exactly in millennial or Gen X. Um, You could say like 1979 is when Gen X ends and 1983 is when millennials begin really for real. And we're both in that like micro generation. (laughs) Right. We're both in that like man without a country. Just a bunch of weirdos. It's true. And, uh, And you may not care about generational things, but I think it's good for trends. You can see trends. Analog childhood, digital. Adulthood. Yes. Yeah. And I'll tell you, millennials have had enough of evangelicalism and giant machines that are meant to turn them into consumers. And they're walking away. Some of them that were committed 10 years ago, five years ago, are walking away in the thousands, in the hundreds of thousands. Like, I don't think people see what's coming and it's all I can think about, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like knowing there's a stock market crash coming, but no one believes it'll happen. And then 2008 happens and there's like five people that saw it in bed on it. Right. And I'm, I just think if the church doesn't get more local, right, like more micro, more organic in the minute, in the community, more like, uh, authentic, real about what they say, actually saying what needs to be said, actually being transparent, <coughs> excuse me, actually, again, valuing people mm-hmm. and going back to what like should be what we're doing and gets away from, and I mean it when I said it, like we saw what it, everybody watching church on screens does. It creates consumers, lazy Christians, who disconnect and go, great, this is here to feed me some sort of theological thing and I want to feel good at the end of it. Mm-hmm. And I meant it when I said it, like, I feel called to do no more harm. Mm-hmm. Like if this organization that we are invested in, that God birthed through a vision through us, does more harm to people, I, we can't. We We have to be the church that reaches people that have walked away Mm -hmm. and say no more. Like I can't deal with the hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. I can't deal with the machine. I can't deal with the screens. I can't Mm -hmm. deal with like, I want something real. I want people who are real. I want something authentic. I want, you know, a church that talks about the stuff that I need to talk about and gives me space to be who I am and encourages me to continue to grow and work and gives me a place to be part of the mission. And like, if we don't get that right, it's going to fall off a cliff soon, sooner than you think. Well, I think the beginning of the cliff was COVID. I think for a lot it of... It accelerated everything. Yeah, yeah. A lot of those consumer Christians that became consumers probably were already consumer Christians before COVID happened. And it just, it really accelerated that process. Uh, you know, use like a food analogy, because we talk about consumer, like consuming things. Let's say you go eat at the same restaurant every day. If that restaurant suddenly one day closes, you're not going to stop eating. You're going to go find somewhere else to eat, a different restaurant, right? We've had people leave our church because we weren't open, and they wanted to be in person during COVID. 
So they found a different restaurant to go eat at, right? So I think that's that's the highlight. Like we've been we've known church is one thing, and then COVID happens and shuts that thing down, and it calls into question for so many people, for so many Christians, like what actually am I doing here? Am I that dependent on a Sunday service, on worship, mm-hmm. on a pastor's teaching, on my small group meeting in person? Is that they may not they may not have known or been able to put words to this is what my faith is. But they realized, this is what my faith is. And so when that's taken away from them, it feels like their faith is taken away from them. The good news, I think, for we can say this because the three of us are products of consumer Christianity. We all grew up in the midst of that. It's not a lost cause. Like people can, we can highlight for them, we can show them, even though this is what you've grown up with, even though this is what you've experienced for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, your whole life, maybe. Mm. It can be different. Yeah, We can do it the right way. Yeah. And that's, I think that's really what we're talking about here is helping people understand that. Yeah. Not to toot our own horn, but to help people understand <laughs> that. I don't actually think we're special. We need to get someone on for this series, not someone who knows how to play a trumpet, but we need to get someone up on stage to just toot a horn. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best it, idea I've had. Put this idea down, please. <laughs> I'm writing furiously as we speak. <laughs> She loves it. I she means tell. furiously. Yeah, she's doing it furiously. Um, yeah. So I'll just I'll close this up here. I mean, you know, this may sound arrogant to some people, like, oh, you know everything or whatever. I, I I don't think we know anything. I really don't. I think we're we see where it's going and we're ready to do whatever we can do to redeem this. Mm-hmm. And we cannot do any more harm. Mm-hmm. The church has done too much harm already. In many, many, many ways. And we just only focused on a couple of them. But, I mean, it's way more than that. And, you know, understanding that there's, I mean, millennials have walked away more recently. And, I mean, they started younger and have done more aggressively recently. And I think COVID accelerated that. Z's gone. They're gone. They're not even here. Like, the church is going to transition to a place that was like, culturally important for people to be part of in a generation ago so let's build it as big as we can and let's make this the, as big as it can be and that's what we gauge a success to we have gone from you know if you the the classic illustration is that's like a cruise liner you know as many people as we can get on there and make it as comfortable as possible and meet people's needs as best they can so they have a great time we've turned into a rescue boat like we are probably smaller in like most senses going forward. And we're pulling people out of the water. Mm-hmm. People who have jumped off the cruise ship and we're pulling people out of the water. And, you know, that's the vision of the church that I want to see that we are caring about those people. And I meant it when I said, go talk to somebody, ask them why they don't go to church anymore, or what their story is. And they'll tell you, it's probably nothing to do with Jesus. Honestly, mm-hmm. I've never met, and I mean this, yeah. I've, I've never met anyone where I talk to them like, hey, what do you got, what's your problem with, the, you know, like, why'd you walk away? No one's ever said it's because of Jesus. It's always the, theological, or it's the way a church acted, or it's the hypocrisy that they saw, or like, there's a, a million reasons that people will give you. And again, some are gen- genuine, some are disingenuous, whatever. But there's a lot of reasons people walked away from that are like legit. And we need to meet those people where there are and say, you know what? It did get unhealthy, and we didn't yeah. see it right away, mm-hmm. and we didn't step into it as as best we could have, but now we see it, and we agree with you, and now we're trying to do it the way we think Jesus called us to do it. And I don't see another way forward. You know, I think in 20 years, the landscape is totally different than it is now. Mm-hmm. So we're over an hour. I think we're at yeah. hour, four minutes. I don't think we want to go more than an hour most of the time here. So, um, Megan, would you pray to end our time here and then let's book it. Father God, thank you so much for this community that you have brought together. Um, and God, I just pray that together we could take steps to moving closer to the church that you designed, the church that you have called us to be. 
Um, and God, I pray that we would keep our focus where you would have it, that we would see your people not as tools or instruments, but as people to be loved, created in your image, um, and to help them move the kingdom forward with us. God, I thank you so much for the people that you have brought to pursuit and for the leadership that you have provided, that we continue to do this together and to learn as we go um, and be humble along the way. God, we love you and we need you. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you made it to this point, you get two gold stars. Let us know and we'll get you those gold stars. (laughs) And uh, we're thinking about doing some more of these, talking about other issues in the church, like as we go through the series. So we're probably going to hit on some other things. If there's something you would like us to talk about or a question that you have, let us know. We'll throw it into the the next one we do. Yeah, absolutely. And might be next week, might be two weeks. Just depends on our availability, but yeah. I think we're going to keep doing this. I think it would be really interesting and, and fun, actually, to hear from some people who aren't like professional Christians like us, you know, <laughs> pastors working in the church, to hear like what your guys' versions of this are. You know, how have you bumped into some of these issues, the tension that you've experienced on, on that side of it? You know, maybe it's been some sort of abuse in a previous church that you experienced, unfortunately. Maybe you walked away at some point and you're now back. Or maybe you're somewhere in between, you know. It would be really great to hear from some of you guys, too, because um, that's part of this story as well. Yeah, you can email us at office at pursuitcommunity.church. We would love to hear that. Always giving an actual way to do what we're saying. <laughs> so I, I said on uh, on Facebook earlier this week, um, hey, text your church staff and let them know they did a good job because the day after a big event, they're yeah. feeling down on Mondays. And I didn't say. I kind of thought about it. If you don't have somebody at your church to, that you can text, you should go to a no, another church. So you probably have our texts anyways, but if not, send an email, Office of Pursuit Community yeah, Church. Yeah, absolutely. Anyways, that's it for episode number one. We'll of the s- Always in Pursuit podcast. Yes. We'll see you in a week or two.